My guest today is Nortal Pertansky, founder and CEO of Sorting Robotics. Sorting Robotics are a provider of automated sorting solutions that are highly flexible and customizable, allowing for seamless integration with existing systems. Nortal, thanks for being with us at the Talking Edge. Ah, thank you for having me. How's, yeah. uh, how's life? <laughs> Things are good, man. It's a sunny day in Seattle, so that's a lot better than uh, the 63 degrees I had yesterday. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, I mean, Let's LA talk about automation, though, because I've been talking about automation in the Seattle scene for cannabis. Um, God, almost like 10 years, whatever, uh, with cannabis pre-rolls and everything else. And especially right now with the way things are going, it looks like automation is only going to kind of go on um, a lot faster. I think probably COVID sped up a lot of things. Still don't have delivery in Washington State, but I do know that people are automating. Um so we're going to jump around a little bit. We'll start with um, your company's technology. So sorting robotics, how uh, do you guys enable businesses to scale, grow, and what are those advantages over manual labor? Yeah, so uh, we offer two products at the moment. Um, one of them is a pre-roll infusion system. So uh, it is a way to dose your pre-rolls with cannabis concentrate by injecting them down the center. And um, we offer that one starting 2021. And then last year we launched our uh, next product, which is a, a high efficiency vape cart filling system. Um, does like 30,000 cartridges with like a plus or minus half a percent uh, tolerance. So extremely, you know, tolerant, extremely tight, uh, extremely high velocity. Um, and so those are the main ones that we offer now. In terms of the value to the customer, uh, when it comes on the infusion side, uh, there's a kind of plethora of ways that you can infuse pre-rolls. All of them are like very manually labor intensive, um, or they're just extremely inconsistent. And so we address both those problems by being uh, like a dosing with some tolerance and uh, you know being able to do five times, ten times as many um, infusions of pre-rolls as you'd be able to do by hand. So it's pretty significant in terms of what the the cost of goods look like for a customer. Like it's like a 8X change in the manual labor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's significant. And on the, on the vape cartridge side, a lot of the savings are just due to the reduced spillage because of how accurate the machine is. Uh, so there are not many people in the world that you know, fill 30,000 cartridges a day. That's like a, a very a small handful. Um, so for those, it's, you know, it's great for those people. But for most um, that use the machine, they see significant advantage in just the precision. And, um, and depending on where you are in the country, what market you're in, it could mean you're either saving 20 cents a cartridge in uh, spillage costs, or you're saving like a dollar in spillage costs per cartridge. And that can be, you know, five, 10% of the over cost of goods. So it's, um, it's significant when uh, you're looking at the price of raw material. Now, I've seen a lot of people do it with uh, syringes on a real small scale, mm -hmm. all the way up to, you know, these little boxes that'll do, um, I don't even know how many in there, probably maybe close to a hundred at a time. Um, what are you kind of seeing people using them for? Are there are there use cases when people are saying, "Oh, I have, um, you know, distillate or full spectrum or 
where you know live resin or rosin what's what's the demand right now for automation on that vape cart because it is very convenient on you know for traveling for example a lot of friends of mine still in washington they'll roll around with the joint i i won't my lawyer says only break one law at a time so i try to stick to that um but you know in other places that are more conservative arizona whatever they're tending to see more vape than pre-rolls uh, and so I would imagine you're see, you're selling more. So I guess two part question: Where are you selling the most, and what are they using them for? On the vape card side, yeah. Um, on the vape card side, it's, I mean, it looks like most of the spread of the products are pretty even, um, and I think that's just because of like how our distribution works, um, how like we actually partner with um, cartridge manufacturers, and we like kind of sell the machine as a like value add for the cartridge manufacturer. So they're giving it to like people that are doing high volume. And so we're just getting to like the, you know, high volume producers in the different markets. So we're pretty spread out across the United States. Like we got a couple in Canada, a couple in California, a couple in Washington, um, a few on the East coast, a few in the Midwest. And so it, there's not really any like major focus. Um, but in terms of like the types of things that they're filling, uh, I mean, obviously distillate is a massive part of that market still. Um, we see a lot of people moving towards live resin and uh, liquid diamonds. That's like a, a big thing, which is basically just uh, like pure distillate, right? It's just no terpenes, no cannabinoids, just liquid diamonds and like maybe a little bit of botanical terps. We see a lot of people doing that. Um, there's a couple customers in California that have liquid diamond lines. And um, like, that's one thing that our machine's really good at because uh, it has like very, you know, strong temperature um, sensitivity. And so because we control the temperature so much, we can do like very difficult things to move like liquid diamonds. Like, I don't know if you've ever like seen like the raw form of liquid diamond, but it's so I have in Washington, but I know people in the East Coast who have no idea what diamonds are. So oh. I hate using the analogy of a crack rock. So I guess a giant thing of like salt or whatever is what it kind of looks like. Yeah, like it, I mean, it's basically just a THCA crystal that they grow kind of like uh, if you were ever in like you know, sixth grade science class and you like put the little sugar crystals and they like grew. It's like that, but for THCA. Um and uh and then they melt that down and it just turns into a rock right so it's very temperature sensitive um and i see a lot of people doing that like um yeah i guess you're right i don't see a lot of people doing the liquid diamond stuff on the east coast it's more of like a west coast thing the live resin is you know the whole country like everyone's moving towards live resin yeah canada really picked that up i saw 400 percent increases in 2018 or 2019 Oh, okay. a lot, there's a lot of perception that it's, I think, cleaner or better. I mean, a distillate has a has a reputation over here as hot dog water. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. people just don't they're not interested in it. But so let's jump into hot dog water, because I would imagine a lot of people are trying to inject that into their pre-rolls. Mm -hmm. what, what are you seeing on that side? How would, were you able to develop that? Because I know there's a lot of issues with that rod going in, staying in straight, not bending and um excreting enough uh concentrate and staying um in in compliance right there you you can't have too much you can't have uh too little everything needs to be accounted for so how did you 
throw all those things together and make a machine that does that kind of consistently. Yeah. So, um, we had, uh, I actually like helped build a, a co-packing company in Oakland, um, back in 2020 and helped run it for a few years until, um, we sold it at the end of last year. And so that was a very interesting process, right? Cause I kind of like learned what it was like to be on the manufacturing plant touching side. And, um, and that's where we put the machine. And so we had, you know, kind of like free reign access to um, a bunch of concentrate material because uh, we used the prototype for our like current customers because they wanted to infuse their joints. And so we did a lot of iteration. I mean, it took like six months to get the first, you know, prototype of something that could inject into joints in like a relatively consistent basis. And then it took maybe another six months to get a product that we could actually sell. And, um, and yeah, basically we, we figured out that just doing distillate was a very small part of what people actually wanted to infuse their pre-rolls with. Um, and even now when we've sold, you know, a, a bunch of machines all over the country and Canada, um, I would say, only half of the customers are infusing with distillate, which you would probably assume it would be more because the distillate market is so much more of a market share on the vape side. Um, most people are doing live resin, and I would say like a very large and fast growing portion of it are doing rosin. And rosin has become like the thing that people want to go after and not just decarbed rosin, but like non-decarbed rosin, like just straight up melted down stuff because everyone's trying to get like that donut that like donut blunt, that hash hole. Um, that's what I see a lot of people trending towards. And usually they'll do the uh, the hot dog water, the kind of like blueberry, like banana, whatever flavor for their low tier. And then they'll do their mid tier live resin and they'll do their high tier rosin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about um, customization? Like you mentioned hash. So there's a new product up in Canada, these hash strips you can throw in your joint if you're hand rolling it yourself. What about customization or unique things, um, trends you mentioned uh, that, you know, you can do customized solutions for people asking for Keef or hash in their pre-rolls and, and what are you kind of doing about that customization? Um, I mean, we've had a few people ask about, uh, like automation for the key roll, like the Jeter style or the tarantula style, which is what it, I guess it was called three years ago before Jeter's made a big, uh, a big splash. Um, I mean, we don't actually develop anything to do the key roll on the outside. Mostly that's just because I don't think that's a very scalable, uh, process. Um, it's very, it's very difficult to measure when you're doing stuff like that. Um, and it's also very messy and I don't see a good way to make it not as wasteful. And so we just don't even develop any automation to do the, the key rolling on the outside. And I know a few of the, like, I mean, there's a handful of other automation companies in the space. Um, and no one wants to do that because it's just like not a good, it's just not a good manufacturing process. And I mean, it's cool and it's trendy, right? Um, but, uh, I, I don't see that lasting in the long term, especially as we get real regulation, like FDA regulation. Um, 
like spraying, you know, your pile of ground material with a bunch of distillate and then like letting it sit overnight is not like the most hygienic way in the world of something that's going to be an inhalable, right? Like what happens if like a fly jumps on it or, you know, or it gets contaminated with whatever's in the air. I just like, don't see that happening, right? Like those things are not, um, yeah, they're not future-proof. Mm -hmm. It would be nice too to have like a bore um, that you could drill out or or build around, pull that plug out, and then insert that with some hash or key for whatever. But mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys will figure that eventually. Yeah. Um, Jack's pre-rolls, they want to know about packaging for tubes and tins. A lot of people who package pre-rolls differently, singles or multiples in you know, different varieties of jars, tins, tubes, and otherwise. What's the solution for that being how popular pre-rolls are? Are you guys working on that? Do you have any suggestions? What are you guys doing? Yeah, so that's actually something we're working on. Um, we uh, we built a prototype for this uh, back in the co-packing company um, a couple years ago. Uh, basically, just like a robotic arm that we... <laughs> oh, that's cool. All the comments are like popping up on the bottom. Um, basically, we built like a robotic arm that like picks up the jars and puts them into boxes, or picks up the uh, like kind of boxed pieces of um, uh, of product and like puts them into master cases, kind of just like a palletizer almost, right? With some computer vision to close the loop and make sure that things are done correctly. And um, and so we're working on that now, specifically for pre rolls. Because right, we sell these infused pre-roll machines, and and these are at the end of the line. Whether you're using a knockbox or you have another automated machine to make the pre-rolls, and so now our customers are asking, like, okay, cool. So I've infused the pre-rolls, and I help me get it into the tube or into the tin, kind of like what this guy's asking. And um, and yeah, so now we're kind of retooling our um, our automated system to do that final packaging, and uh, we're working with a few clients right now to baseline and we're going to officially launch it um in q4 of this year any issues i mean things you mentioned things that you don't necessarily want to touch because um you know rolling you know i've seen a lot of manufacturers they'll kind of spray the the distillate on the outside and roll keef but like you mentioned the quality control consistency um tracking all of that is is basically impossible it's kind of a mess what are some of the other challenges that you guys have seen um anything you uh, anything else you guys have decided to stay away from and anything else that you guys have tackled um let's see one thing that we haven't really we, we thought about doing this and then we just actually kind of abandoned it which was the packaging of concentrates um and we get a we get a lot of people to ask that, but the concentrate market is like so small, uh, like dabs, you know, like these little dab jars, and it's so highly variable. So that's something that we've really thought about, and we've even built you know kind of mock-ups and stuff like that um, to make this concentrate packaging system. But like the there's too many weird trends in like the dab world. Um, you can like build a system that packages shatter uh, but that same system can't really package like crumble or batter and then you have like the terps and liquid diamonds and i've seen one system um from a competitor that does like terps and diamonds and like that's the only thing that that thing can do and my company's not really built around doing 
know, very small parts of the system uh, for like only one SKU. Like our like infusion machine, it can do, uh, you know, little baby half gram joints or it can do big rosin blunts, right? Like it has a very wide range. If it's infused, like it can basically do it. But I don't really want to build a machine that can like only do terps and diamonds. I'm like, that's it because it's not a very large value. And so finding a general application for that very large um, skew mix for a very small market, it's just, uh, it doesn't make a lot of good business sense um, unless there's like a very significant technology advancement that allows us to do all of those skews with one, you know, with one bullet. So that's something that we've kind of stayed away from after looking through it and just determining it's just like not the best use of time. Like there's like the packaging, like that's high value, you know, you can have one robot and it'll package pre-rolls and it'll also package vapes, which are two things that we do. Right. So kind of makes I'm more hearing sense. from you that dabs are kind of a disappointing market. A little bit, you know, cause they're labor intensive, but they're just so small and it's, it's so difficult to automate. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that market's ever going to like really grow. I think the pre-roll market is probably going to be 50% of the market in three years. I'm a broken record at the dispensary. Every week I go in there and I ask them the same thing. What's the number one product you see hit the register and what's your favorite product right now? Yes. Yeah. 99% of the time flower. Really? Like yeah. none of them go after a concert and I ask them why. And I figure price is going to be the answer and it's not it's the it's the effect they like the full effect of flower yeah yeah um you know i i, I want to jump back to how you got into the industry because mm -hmm. the story i have is that you worked for nasa yeah. and that you were designing some stuff to create oxygen on mars and in my head, you were sitting there smoking a blunt with Elon Musk and you were like, oh, we should automate some cannabis stuff. This would be great. Um, <laughs> how did that actually happen, though? Um, so I definitely did not smoke weed when I was at NASA, for the record. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and I was there for like four years, so I took a little break. Um, but uh, I was at NASA for four years at... Um, I, I'm in LA right now. So I used to live in Pasadena at NASA JPL. Um, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory was really cool. Um, I was one of the main engineers and like the cognizant engineer, kind of like a, a lead um, for a project called MOXIE, which is a device that's currently producing oxygen on the surface of Mars. And um, I worked on that for a few years. And then after that was finished and I got like a, an award for like outstanding achievement uh, at NASA. I quit like a month later and, um, and I started this company, uh, but I didn't actually start um, building for cannabis. Initially, we actually built a device called the Roca Sorter, which was a system that sorted Magic the Gathering cards um, and like other trading cards like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh uh, for the trading card market to like give uh, the secondary market a way to sift through a bunch of cards and have uh, online resellers um, make their life a little easier. I like was really into that game when I was in college. I like played professionally and I was like super into it. And, um, and I had a few other friends who knew about that market. So we developed this like cool sorting mechanism, which is where sorting robotics comes from. Um, and then we noticed that, you know, the trading card magic, the gathering market is very small. And, um, 
and it was giving us enough money to kind of like live um yeah like a nice little lifestyle business but it was our dream to always like make a very large robotics company like something that is um deeply valuable and then we got into a thing called y combinator which is like a startup accelerator program and we used the networking that that environment provided us mm -hmm. to find a bigger market and we spent like four months um trying to find uh you know an avenue that we could apply our our skill set to and after you know a lot of talking to people and figuring things out we eventually kind of landed in cannabis because this was back in 2019 when we made this pivot and in 2019 and even now right there was like basically no one really approaching the uh, industry with like a sophisticated perspective right there was a few kind of companies that were jerry-rigging medical devices and saying like oh this will work for cannabis but cannabis is such a finicky material you know it's very unique it's not like it's not like anything else right like like almonds are a lot like flour when you crush it up right but like when you crush up cannabis it's not like almonds or flour right it's like weird um and it and then when you extract it, it's also weird. It's not like lavender oil or canola oil. It's like this weird thing that can turn solid. So, um, so those companies never really, you know, focused on the problem. And so, so we liked weed, right? I was smoking weed again now that I left JPL. And um, and then yeah, we started uh, partnering with some people in the space. And then in 2020, um, I took a, a few months off and helped, you know, start this co-packing company. And um, I'm very adamant of the idea of like, know your customer by being your customer. And so I basically became what is now my customer, like a cannabis manufacturer. And like, uh, I don't know, for nine months, I was slaying pounds up in Oakland and like, uh, and doing co-packing from bucking the flower, trimming. I mean, not myself, obviously, like I, I initially did it. And then that company got to like 50 people and we were servicing a bunch of um, companies in the Bay Area. And, and then, um, yeah, we wound that company down at the end of last year and just started focusing on the, um, the robotic side of things. I love that, uh, that story of pivoting to stay relevant in the cannabis industry. A lot of times people will hit a wall or something where there's just a small market. They don't know how to figure it out and they just kind of end up either failing. Uh, but there are some success stories on, on being able to pivot to stay relevant. Um, you know, quick story. I was, um, I launched a, an app. Uh, using artificial intelligence to kind of alert people when to buy and sell crypto and stocks. And so hitting the retail as soon as the market took a dive when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, it was worst timing to launch ever should have launched during the lockdown. Uh, and so pivoting to business to business has proven to be a lot better. So even though you've got a good idea, sometimes it's the wrong time, wrong market, wrong, whatever, uh, just a little bit of, um, persistence you know and figuring out through y combinator or whoever wherever however figuring out how to make that work um have you been able to use that technology you developed at nasa on mars smoking a blunt with elon musk i'm totally running with that story by the way <laughs> all right, all um, right. Uh, how how or or do you think it's possible to to transition that for like lounges because a lot of lounges are the smoke lounges are requiring a massive turnover in airflow, which mm -hmm. is stupid because you're not going to hook up a 747 jet engine in order to get the cycles down to like 30, you know, 30 times a minute or something dumb. 
um, how else do you do it? You know, there's hypochlorous acid or there's UV or there's, um, you know, old school filtration. Uh, what about your technology? My tech was a solid oxide electrolysis. So it is definitely not um, useful for that application. Um, so electrolysis is like the process of like breaking things apart. Um, and uh, what, what my device did was it ingested the CO2, the carbon dioxide from the Martian atmosphere, and it split it apart into O2 and carbon monoxide. So that wouldn't be incredibly useful in a smoke lounge. Um, and it would probably gunk up pretty quick. Um, but, uh, but it's good on Mars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about like talking about the um, AI? Yeah. How do you feel that chat GPT or any of these artificial intelligence plugins can change the game? Because I've seen... Um, crazy stuff come out of 3d printers for uh like exhaust so they've been able to develop all kinds of things to improve airflow and exhaust and mm -hmm. all of these other uh, things where the uh, code that was developed was unique and the 3d printing was unique and humans wouldn't have been able to do either of those or something i don't know i'm, I'm out of my league here <laughs> But what have you seen in terms of the ability for ChatGPT to kind of correlate into the cannabis space? Um, I mean, so ChatGPT specifically, uh, I mean, fuck everything. Oh, can I cuss on this? I don't know. You can, you can like, say whatever you okay. want. <laughs> um, uh, everything. Like, I mean, we use ChatGPT all the time um, for our own internal processes here. Um, and uh, I would say like, the first thing that comes to mind for a cannabis company is on like the customer support. So like our customer support is a little bit more white glove because we're dealing with businesses and stuff like that. And so they need to like know that someone's going to help them, not like a, a random bot. Um, but I would say like these brands, a lot of them could use ChatGPT as a way to engage with their customers um, because it'll respond at like a low level very naturally it's not gonna say crazy stuff or like lead you down like a like a very clear like decision question tree right it will be able to have like natural language conversations with their customers and i think it's an extremely underutilized tool for engagement and like you me i mean i think everyone in the industry really knows that like brand loyalty is pretty low these days um for whether it be um like a skew in like beverage or like edible or whatever, like a lot of things come down to price and THC percentage, right? Um, so I think it's difficult to advertise, but it's not difficult to engage, right? And if you can use ChatGPT as an engagement tool at like scale, we're talking like you can engage with tens of thousands of people at one time, that's like, not something that anyone's ever thought of doing, right? Because it doesn't make any sense. What are you gonna do? Hire a bunch of people in the Philippines to talk with all your customers? Like it doesn't make people any sense. should. They should be using Puerto Rico as a matter of fact because <laughs> oh, of that yeah. and use that as a bilingual call center. But if they can't afford that, now Chat GPT can do that for practically free. We set up exactly um, through our own, you know, uh, AI company. 
uh, investment company to do just that. So it's responding to people um, on Twitter and um, we're setting it up for a chat, uh, like a chat bot. So bilingual chat bot and everything else. Um, plus it's just ideation. Like what, what compliments, you know, what products should I have doing a competitive analysis? I mean, there's so many of these, these tools out now. Um, I feel like it's like uh, the internet of, 1992 like just at the the embassy and it's just getting better yeah i see that's definitely going to be very interesting ai as a whole has a lot of applications in the manufacturing space uh, like so i'm pretty sensitive to that like our our first couple products were very computer vision based like we were doing um sortation of a of a wholesale flower like um like biomass uh, and trim and so we were scanning like uh, conveyor systems of um, of biomass and trying to quantify what was on it and separate it out. Mm -hmm. But quality control too, right? Um, that's a big thing. And it's a big thing when it comes to brands. It's a big thing when it comes to uh, different markets, like different states, like you need to have that quality control. And one guy trained in Humboldt is not gonna be doing the same QC as one guy in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. But if you have uh, you know, a little robotic arm that's like putting it in front of a camera and showing it, that's going to be the same protocol on each. So that and computer vision, it's called computer vision, but it is machine learning. And that's one avenue of uh, artificial intelligence. So, yeah, that's something that is like deeply underutilized like it's it, it's, it's come a long ways in 10 years people were using arduino and python and coming up with these things it's actually how oh, i yeah. got into the industry is i grabbed some guys at amazon and said look i have a grow from my friend who's got ms and i need to make this better um so there's a gal who's got the same question that that i've got it's how come it has the fully automated grow and, and systems haven't gotten any better you know 10 years ago i got in the industry for the same situation so uh, the question is, is, is what about start to finish automation, growing cannabis with sensors in the soil? Um, there's ways to look at it. If the leaf starts to taco, it should know if it's the environment, like too much fan or if it's the soil. So all of these components, everything together should be integrated, aggregated, and then decided on using machine learning and artificial intelligence, but it's not there. So the Grotronic system I paid way too much for back in the day is still not working properly. And there's all of these, you know, kind of components and even systems that say they're doing it. But this, the true solution I don't think is there yet. And I want to know why. Uh, I mean, I think a big thing is that one, for you to develop something like that, it's going to cost you 10 mil plus in raw materials, right? Like testing is the bread and butter of building a system like that. And uh, if you're just going to burn through $10 million in like flour, uh, it, it's like, it's very difficult to swallow that pill. Right. Um, so, so let's say you have infinite money, right. Which no one really does, especially at this time in the industry. Let's say, let's say you have infinite money um having a closed loop i guess that you could call that a closed loop growing system um where like you got seeds and then at the end you have uh, packaged goods and it's all in like a massive you know factory that like moves stuff around um the most important caveat with today's automation um even with like ai tools and stuff like that um is that the material cannabis is highly variable right highly variable some strains you cure for two weeks 
Some strains you cure for five days. Some strains, uh, when they get extracted, they'll have a bunch of lipids inside of them. Some strains, they'll like they want to be extracted dry. Like there's so many variables in how the yielding of the plant happens and how you process the plant after that. Uh, that even if you do have artificial intelligence, you have to train it on something, right? And if there's not enough data to train your AI model, like GPT-4 has a trillion data points, right? No one's going to run a trillion grows or like even five grows to get that wide range to have a closed form system. So is it possible? Sure. I'm sure today, if you spent like 10 million bucks, you could make an end-to-end but you'd make it for one strain. That's it. And then the moment you change anything, it's like you're starting all over again. Um, and it would probably still take you like two years to do it for that one strain. Cause you need to know like, how does that phenotype change for whatever environment I leave it in? Like maybe in the winter it's drier, even though you're maintaining your humidity, but like there's more nitrogen in the air or something like that. And it changes the phenotype. So when it extracts, it doesn't, you know, you don't leave it in there for, you know, two hours. You have to leave it in there for two and a half hours because that sock isn't going to be fully, like, there's all these things on that end to end. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not almonds, right? Yeah. That, well, that's yeah. the benefit of machine learning. Uh, but that's yeah. also why it takes a long time and people think, oh, I could just start a company now and compete against whatever. It's like, there's a lot of learning involved. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't really, um, you can't really remove that or replace that. Uh, any any other way than just time. But I did go and ask artificial intelligence uh, via ChatGPT to give me some slogans or mottos uh, for you over at Sorting Robotics. And here's what it what it came up with. All right. One of the slogans was robots are going to take over the world, but first they'll sort your cannabis. Okay. Okay. I thought that was kind of ominous, but but also funny. <laughs> uh, taking the high out of high performance. A little humor there. Okay. Um, our robots don't get high, but they do help you get higher yields. Oh, that's not bad. That's okay. Not bad. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. And and then the last one, our robots may not know the difference between indica and sativa, but they'll know how to sort them with ease. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then we should just spell ease like ease, like the delivery service. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, we talked a lot uh, today. Is there anything else um, that you want to cover or at least uh, let people know how they can get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, if you guys uh, want to have any more information on the Jico robot, our filling system, and then our future Mayweather packaging, um, I would say reach out to us on the website. Uh, there's a contact form, sortingrobotics.com. Also, if you go to Sorting Robotics Inc., we have an Instagram. Uh, if you reach out to any I'll be able to do it. All right. And we'll have some information. His uh, LinkedIn will be uh, in the show notes as well. But I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, Nortal Portansky, founder and CEO of Ro Sorting Robotics. Thanks again for being on The Talking Hedge. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin. 
And I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.